Hello and welcome to Limitless. I'm Jonathan Gruber. Limitless is not an IT podcast because while being digital is about strategy and organization, the truth is it's really all about the people. So the people on our show are digital leaders that know what it takes when it comes to digital transformations. And we also talk to a top athlete who really knows what it takes to overcome hurdles. And we're calling today's show a driving success. Uh, I just made that up. Did you like that, Michelle? I haven't introduced you yet, but do you like it? Great. Okay. Great. <laughs> okay, a driving success. So why driving? Because today's guest is Michelle Alsemgeest. You just heard him here. He's the CIO and CDO of LeasePlan. LeasePlan leases vehicles. It's originally from the Netherlands, but it's active in 30 two countries, and he is here to tell us how he got Lease Plan to be future-proof and resilient. Hello, Michel. Hello, good morning. Nice uh, to meet you. And my expert guest today is Joachim van der Kastele, a consultant at Anderson MacGyver. Hello, Joachim. Hello, good morning, Jonathan. Welcome. Now, you guys already, you guys know each other for a while, right? Yep, a few years now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How do you? I mean, obviously, it's through work. But you want to just very briefly explain the connection? I've met Michel uh, in 2019. Just he was one of the members in our steer committee, and uh, we're doing a project to roll out on a global scale the standard way of software development for LeasePlan. The standard meaning like standardizing software development. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. So we're going to talk a, a, a lot more about that. Uh, later in the show. But Michelle, you've been with LeasePlan as CIO and CDO for four years. Was that correct? Exactly. Yeah. First things first, I looked it up and I'm, I'm still not sure. Can you explain the difference between a CIO and a CDO? That's <laughs> yeah, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's all about roles. So, so I think it is, you have a lot of functions around, right? In the industry about CIO, CDO, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is more about the about the person, about the mindset, about the stuff you do in practice, and and the label is just a label about CIO, CDO. But uh, at least in my context, it is about uh, drive the the digital transformation with the help of technology. And is is there a particular attraction for you to to lease plan? I mean, you're obviously into into data. That's what you do. But are you a petrol head? <laughs> Well, not not partic in particular, but but uh, uh, the fact of the game is I like cars as well. So so uh, and more and more I have to say. So I I was first in the airline industry and then I was in the distribution and now I'm with cars. But more and more when you are into the business, I I start really to like being into cars, understanding it better, driving great cars. So yes, more and more I love cars. Do you have a say. favorite car? Very quickly. It is today, it's Tesla, and I really, really love it. I really love it. I have a, a lease plan Tesla outside right now. Full disclosure, everyone who's listening to this. It's a complete coincidence. <laughs> we didn't plan this. It just happened like that. Okay. Uh, so, Michelle, we always ask our guests to bring a sound that is meaningful to them and that says something transformational about them. So let's have a listen. So that's Mariah Carey's Make It Happen. Michelle, are you the guy who will make it happen? <laughs> exactly. No, it's quite, it's quite, because I was thinking about it. It's a very nice question, but it is, 
I think it captures almost everything, this song, because it is a kind of decent, relaxed song in itself, right? It is, it is uh, nice. It's about keep going. It's about uh, believing it. Uh, uh, also about must be strong. Believe in yourself. Know what you are doing. And in the end, really make it happen. So it captures a lot, a lot when you listen to it. And that's the reason why I like it. But it is also related to myself. We must make it happen. And I must make it happen. And... I have to say that in, company, in the company, in Liesplan, a lot of people state that I use the word a lot. Okay, let's make it happen. So that was the big trigger for myself to <laughs> indicate the song. <laughs> so if I walked around Liesplan and I said, uh, Michelle wants to make things happen, they'd all like laugh to themselves and say, yeah, he wants things to happen. <laughs> from Anderson MacGyver, this is Limitless. We have a personal message for you, Michelle, from the man who knows no limits the former world champion short track skating and Dutch national coach, Jeroen Otter. Hi, Michel. My name is Jeroen Otter, coach of the national short track speed skating team. I worked in the past with a team of eight athletes representing five nations. I learned how important it was to determine my coach's jargon at the start. What does HUD training, high intensity interval training mean? And when a morning workout reads recovery ride, what intensity is expected? Does the skater use the power output on his bicycle or just his heart rate monitor? Or do we really leave it up to the athletes himself? We started years ago to use a sport-wide data collector. One of the most important questions in this daily use data bank is the athlete's RPE, the rate of perceived exertion, simpler said, the estimate of someone's intensity score meaning one being very, very easy and 10 being the maximum effort. And of course, it's very important that the coach and the player do understand each other. It can't be that I tell the athletes that it should be a very easy workout and for them it feels very hard. We all realize that part of the game is getting punched in the face once in a while. But how do we learn from that and how can we improve our communication and therefore understand different skills and tasks better? For example, we know that sleep deprivation affects our ability to focus. Yeah, we're less productive. We also know that being active in the morning, like walking stairs or biking to work, helps the productivity. Momentarily, I support a world-renowned kickboxer. And believe me when I tell you both sports, the kickboxing and the short track speed skating are acting on world-class level. But the perception and the approach are often opposites. Our NOC, our National Olympic Committee, has 77 national sports federation as members. If I communicate with coaches from different sports, how do I know we're speaking the same language? For example, medical doctors from all over the world are using the Latin-based terminology, so nothing gets lost in translation. But how do I assure that I do not get lost in translation speaking to coaches from different sports? Noting the above, my expert team and I can still run into issues sometimes that we use different definitions. And for example, a simple question, what is the best breakfast for champions? Is approached differently by my biochemist, my sport psychologist, paramedic team, my doctor, my strength and conditioning coach, they all have different needs and therefore different perspectives. 
Michael Jordan, the basketball player, once said, talent wins games. But teamwork, clear understanding what we want from each other, win championships. Our action and work can easily be understood backwards with a 2020 vision. But we all realize it must be done forward. So I'm very and really curious how one company operating in 32 countries can speak the same language and all arguments and decision-making processes are understood by all of them. I'm very impressed, Michelle, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Good luck with the podcast. So, Michelle, Jeroen's question is, it's pretty clear, actually, which is uh, you work for a large company. It has lots of different arms. And so his curiosity, his question, if I could boil it down to one question, is how do you get everybody on the same page? How do you get everybody speaking the same language so that you can be efficient and, you know, to put it in his sports terms, win as a team? How do you do that? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. I think in the end it is about uh, indeed speaking the same language. So articulation of the language is super important. Um, so, so from that perspective, uh, what we have done is, is three big stages. So uh, we, we define our product and services, our menu card, what do we want to sell, all in the same language. Then we have the second say big stage, because their technology should facilitate that, those product and services what we sell in the market. And then we have the third stage to, to indicate to everybody, but you need to adopt yourself to this new product and services and to this technology stack. So that is how we explain it. But um, that is an, an, an kind of a stepping stone approach that everybody needs to understand this. Everybody needs to make, to be made aware about this. Everybody needs to understand it more deeply and everybody has to internalize it. So those four stages as well, we will, we will go through and then we can move to the same direction. So it is quite, I would say, nuanced how we um, approach this whole transformation in itself. Well, let me just take it back because you got there four years ago and then you, you got hired and you took a look around you and you did an inventory of everything that was going on in the organization and all the things that you needed to get done. And then you said to yourself, what? <laughs> that not everybody was speaking the same language at that moment. So that was obvious, well, right? Well, how, so, ba- how much were they not speaking the same language at that moment? Like how, I don't want to use the terms good or bad. Yes, I do. How bad was it? Well, there was a lead, at least there was a, the room for optimization, uh, really. Uh, because, that- it, 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 because if you hear it, which is logical, right? So Leespan is a very, I would say, um, uh, uh, profitable company, uh, but it exists of 31 countries, 31 uh, landscapes, uh, but still very doing their business quite okay. Then if you want to take a next step in this whole, say, growth strategy, yeah, then you need to all step up and understand each other uh, and really start talking the same language. And that was not there yet. But that was definitely in front of us that, okay, how to get everybody on that same language, looking through that same lens and going forward with 9,000 9, people in the same direction. You know, Michelle, I've done this show a few times now 
And uh, very often, it, we speak to CIOs like you who get hired and they turn up somewhere. And everybody sort of tries to put it very gently that when they get there, everybody's off in their own fiefdom. They're on in their own island. And then somebody turns up and wants to get all the noises, the noses, and then somebody turns up and wants to get all the noses pointed in one direction. And to put it gently, it kind of pisses everyone off. <laughs> And then it becomes the job of sort of massaging everyone and explaining everyone the benefit. I mean, how did this work for you, you know? No, but that's, that's true as well. I think what you say is that uh, it's not some, if you like, look from a distance, I think it's obvious, obvious. But if you are in, in the midst of it, I think it is very educational. You really need to learn to understand each other. Uh, it's not by nature that everybody sees it. But I mean, so, what did say to, what people say to you when you said to them, okay, we're going to change everything? What do they say to you? Give, well, me, give me an example. Question marks. Yeah, give me an example of what somebody said to you. You don't have to. You don't have to name names. No, but what has been has been said is the uh, is the why why we need to do this. Um, why you think it is going that direction? Um, because we are already doing a great job today. That is the biggest question uh, I got back. Why we have to do it? Because today we are doing already a good job. So how do you overcome that? Yeah, to show and deeply understand and explain uh, the vision so, uh, and the strategy. So there is a whole strategy behind, about a growth strategy behind, that if you look around us and if you look to the mega trends that are there about subscription, about sustainability, um, then you see that you need to make a step up. That's more or less what we... Uh, and you need to explain that over and over again and educate people that there is a stepping stone towards that growth strategy, towards sustainability. How much over and over? A lot, really. <laughs> it is a daily message you have to convey. And I think that's also logical because people really need to understand it first. They need to become make aware about this. And before people start internalizing it, that just takes a lot of time. And also then they have to say it by themselves. And then you see that the thing is going, and if they're then asking for a kind of acceleration, what's happening right now, can we go faster? Then there is, I think that's a big indication that people really internalized it and now want to go. So Joachim, when in this part of the process did you get the call? Well, we got the call in uh, actually in 2019 then, where the, 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 the strategy was defined. And we were working towards harmonizing actually all the different countries that Lisbon is working at. And the main challenge over there is there's a big difference in the size of the countries, the, the region where the country is in, the, the maturity they have, yeah, because if you want them to also to adapt, you have to be aware of their um, technology status. And then you have to figure out, okay, uh, what is their context? So if we are clear in the vision where we're aiming for, what is their standing position, starting position point, and how can we encourage them and motivate them yeah, to move towards more harmonized way of working? And that was a real challenge. And it's for you, it's, it's about strategy and thinking strategically, right? But also execution. Well, that's the, where Anderson MacGyver stands for. It's uh, setting out the lines, but also being pragmatic and realizing, uh, making steps forward and adapt, inspect, and improve. So this is the kind of thing that you guys do, right? You come down and you work out a whole strategy from start to finish, including the execution part. You just made a point of that. Uh, absolutely. Okay, great. And so how did this work? How did he, how did he get involved in the implementation of this, Michel? Yeah, what you, what you see is that um, uh, it is indeed about the, the, the harmonized product and services, right? So what do we sell? Then you have the global processes that need to facilitate that. Then we have the technology stack. 
en in dat proces to define that, en is in elkaar waar ik had, uh, ik had involved. And now more and more we're going to what we call the fold-in strategy to the change in adoption. A what strategy? Sorry, a what strategy? The fold-in strategy. So you have your processes, you have your product and services, you have your systems around it. And then, of course, everybody, all those people need to adopt and change themselves to that product and services and processes and technology stack. So we fold in more or less every every country, every person, every task will be fold into that more globalized, harmonized landscape. That so, is how we uh, how we approach it. So, Joachim, what was the toughest part of this? And then give me an example. Okay, the, well, the toughest part is actually if you look at technology and data, it only has value if it's into production. So you, although you're focusing on, say, the, the service provisioning, from an IT perspective, you always have to be aware of how will it actually be, be put into production and how do we involve the, the end users to actually use the data, make the right decisions, and start using the system. So, so as soon as they're in the vault, executing it. So, And the way we resolved is actually to actually define not only, say, the, the facilitating uh, aspect of it from a technology point of view, but also... Uh, explaining in what does it take from a business perspective and also being part of the approach is also involving a specific project leader actually to help the business side get uh, some sort of a buy-in and also be able to adapt our approach. So don't uh, only focus on the IT side, but we also embedded the business side. For example, like I'm an end user, how would I experience that? You would experience that, okay, at a certain moment, uh, a certain, say, module of this new architecture will go into production, and then your, your user interface changes. So instead of manually typing in data, it is transferred by an integrated way. So then your daily way of working will change, and you have to take users to the end side. Their way of working will change. So make it very practical to the end user. And why is that better? Well, if, if you miss out, and it's often forgotten, then it is put into production, but uh, nobody uses it. So then it has no value at all. <laughs> right. And nobody uses it because it's annoying or... Unaware of poor, it. Poor, yeah. Poorly thought out or what? Poorly communicated. So how do you know what works? How do you know what's right? Well, you have to measure it. You have to measure what's used from your systems and when your data sets, because that's the only way you can identify what kind of the functionality is used. And in the past, only 60% of the functionality in systems was used. So now we're aiming for 80%, 80% plus. And the only way to do this is to communicate and to measure and to improve. Right. And when you say measure and improve, it's like you also ask people, hey, what's the part of this that's kind of annoying? Also. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And right, also right. under the hood, measure it. Right. Exactly. Okay, good. You know what I was wondering about is how many countries is Leaseplan working? Was it 32? 31. 31 yeah. countries? How do you coordinate all of that? Because that's, that's big. That's a lot of countries. Yeah, how we do that. So that is that is continuously also in the, uh, if we define, for example, our product and services and processes, we take the, the experts from all those countries and we use their best practices. So people are very willing to contribute to the more global perspective. And we take everywhere the best practices also to make it, um, yeah, to make it available for the rest of, of, of Leaseplan. So people are quite keen to help. Right. To make it better for everybody. Because you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that it's one, it's, you know, every country has its own set of laws and rules that you then have to, you know, especially tax rules, right? That you exactly. then have to change every, you have to adapt to every single situation, but still at the same time use one system? Yeah, so, so we have, in fact, we define, we think really in the opportunity and the bigger scale. So we, we start with the common denominator, what is really the same, et cetera, et cetera. The and cars. Of course, in the end, when there are <laughs> legal... Uh, 
uh, obligations, you have to deviate. We, we take that into account for sure, but we start from the other way around to see what is really possible from a best practices perspective. How do you know it's, you're, do, you're doing it right? What to you constitutes a success? Well, I think how, how, we, how we define that is, is in, in several levers, of course, but in fact, it should comply to our growth strategy. So we have a real growth strategy, so we want to grow. And you only can grow when you are becoming a scalable company. And becoming a scalable company, you need technology to make yourself scalable and to make yourself more global. So if you want to grow your fleet of 2 million cars and say, just for argument's sake, you want to double that fleet, you have to do it differently than today. And if you are able to do that, so adding adding cars continuously at hardly any cost, then you hit exactly uh, where you need to be. And that is for us the success. We keep talking about electric cars as well. I mean, that must have, how, how has that changed the way you guys work? Yeah, more and more. So, so you see, in fact, you're right. So uh, we becoming a fleet becomes more electric. So cars becoming, say, riding batteries almost. And that creates a lot of opportunity as, opportunity as well. So we are busy with smart charging. So what is the best moment to charge your car? That then, then indicates another opportunity. Is, what does that mean, uh, the best moment to charge? When's the best moment to charge my car? Tell me now. <laughs> we have an app for that, so that really depends. That really depends. Um, but when everybody is driving, right? When right. Everybody, you can you can charge your car uh, best. Um, but there are certain moments that depends really on the whole energy uh, dynamics behind that. What is the best moment to charge your car car in the most say green way? So there are a lot of nuances there. Uh, but also, if you have that, you can give that energy back to your, or use it in your own household or for another company or give it back to the grid and earn money with that. And that then also- Wait, from uh, my car battery? Like my car battery could go back to the grid? and we, And we would get money for that? Of course, yeah. That's all opportunities we explore. And on top of that, uh, you can you can even think about, you have a charge point, right? Uh, there is an, a public trans- a charge point, but also personal charge point and there are all kinds of services related to the charge point where you can think about new business models and that's more the direction Lisbon is going to and it also gives if you talk about business transformation that's exactly what it will drive new electric cars different maintenance but also far more different opportunities due to that battery and that is what we are exploring right now. So, look, we're kind of coming to the end of this, believe it or not. Um, And like we always do at the end of Limitless, uh, I want you to think really big right now. I want you to think beyond your companies, right? Maybe even think beyond this one country that you live in. What change is coming that's going to change everyone's lives? What big change in the future? Think 10 years ahead. What's going to be big what big change is going to happen in society that we're all going to have to live with and deal with and maybe enjoy? Yeah, so if you, if you, if you look that, take that perspective, I think it's all about autonomous cars far more and more. So it's far more about uh, mobility in itself. So just you go from A to B with, an, um, with a car that's self-driving. That is what is ahead of us. And then you are really in the subscription economy because you just want to go from A to B. And, Whatever it takes. And you, you think that's going to happen in the next 10 years? Like, it's going to be a real thing? Because right, right now it's a fun add-on for a Tesla. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you see already the snippets happening today, but more and more if you experience it, and that also has to do with human uh, capture of that change, 
if you are able to capture that change from a human human being perspective, then obviously I think uh, autonom- autonomous cars, self-driving cars, will f- will be far more driving you from A to B in a very relaxed way, and it just happens in front of you and uh, for you, so to say. Joachim, yeah, same well, question. Well, if I look at from digital transformation, I think that the main changer will be actually the the ecosystem thinking. So now we're resolving issues and transformation within the company, within multiple countries. But actually, if you look at the example of the EVs, it's a combination of utility, power plants, car providers, etc. So it's a whole new kind of ecosystem that will occur. And uh, we have to be prepared for that. So it will definitely be a different landscape than we have currently. But you're just talking cars now. Yeah, cars, but right. it could also get other industries. Excellent. This is really interesting stuff, guys. But unfortunately... That is it for this episode of Limitless. Today's guests were Michel Alsemgeest, CIO and CDO of Lease Plan, and my expert Joachim van der Kastelen, consultant of Anderson MacGyver, and of course our podcast coach-in-chief, skating champ, and Dutch national short track team coach, Jeroen Otter. Limitless is a podcast from Anderson MacGyver. To learn more, go to our website, andersonmacgyver.com. Don't forget to share and rate our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Goubert. This was Limitless. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. And may your days be without limits. limits.